right, all right, day 46. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so um, we've been working through Deuteronomy, um, and yeah, it's been so good and so dope. And so we pick back up today in the same section we left off in, right? So remember, five chapter 5 of Deuteronomy to 26 of Deuteronomy is an exposition or an expansion of the Ten Commandments, right? And because the, the book has this covenant structure that was uh, parallel with this structure in ancient Israel, it fits nicely. So in 25, especially in this first part, um, he's going to talk about, uh, you know, He's going to expand on the law about lying. So remember, the ninth commandment is do not bear false witness. Do not lie. And remember, right, the law is the first four dealing with God and the last uh, six dealing with how we love our neighbor, love God and love neighbor. And and so here you have this law that is placed in Israel about bearing false witness and God shows how he would meet out uh, how he could determine if this was true. This was true through the judges uh, and how this could look. And the liar here would receive this flogging. Right. This this liar would receive this person who bear false witness would receive um, this flogging uh, of 40 lashes from the judges in Israel. Now, what's crazy is if you continue to read your Bible, you see in the Gospels that. The Lord Jesus is accused of this very same law, right? And he receives his 40 lashes because they think he's lying when he says he is the Messiah of Israel, the Christ. He is the son of God. And so you just see how these laws play out. And furthermore, the text goes on and it talks about this idea of marriage. So if um, two people are married and the husband dies, his brother can marry the wife and bear a child for them. And we see that is more about this idea of rights, right? So the last law is the 10th commandment is coveting, right? And so we see that behind the idea of coveting is that people have a specific right to specific things, right? So he'll go on and talk about that. He'll talk about these just weights and measures, right? For transacting sales, right? People had a right to righteous sales. And what we see is that man cheating uh, is close, is a close relative to coveting. Right. Cheating is a close relative to coveting and dishonesty supersedes blatant lying. So you see how the Lord is taking these commands and expanding them. And I think we need to be more thorough in how we look at God's word and see how it applies to our lives as well. Twenty six comes. And he's going to talk about the law of the first fruits. So remember, twenty six is the last chapter that is going to expand these commands. And he's going to say, yo. I want y'all to give y'all first fruits, right? When the harvest comes, the first fruits that you get come to me, right? And the crazy thing is you don't know what that harvest is going to be like for that year, right? So in other words, so that you won't covet, I need you to be content, right? Contentment is the antidote to the disease of coveting, right? Contentment is the antidote to the disease of coveting. And God is like, yo, the first fruits, I need that. I need that. Why? Because it shows that you are content in whatever I give you for that season. Right. I wish I had time to talk about today how much we need contentment in our consumeristic, materialistic culture. And as the chapter ends, it's going to say like, man, you know, this was basically an acknowledgement that the Lord have fulfilled his promise to Israel. Right. And they'll just go on and on and talk about what the Lord did for them in bringing them out of Egypt. And so these this um, 
uh, section is going to come to a close and 27 will come and it will transition to speak about the ratification or the putting in place of the covenant when they get into the land, right? So they'll get into the land and in Joshua 8 and Joshua 24, they will ratify this covenant and say, hey, this thing is in effect. God has fulfilled his promise. He has brought us to the promised land. So now we're going to put this covenant into effect and some of the curses will be spoken back and forth when they did this, right? God promises people blessing through Abraham, right? And then after that, you have what um, I, we would say is the um, blessings and curses. So blessings and curses will dominate from 27 uh, all the way kind of to chapter 30. But um, in 28, and this is probably my favorite chapter in Deuteronomy, in 28, uh, he's going to go in detail about these blessings and curses, right? So God says, hey, if you obey me, these are the ways you will be blessed, right? And if you disobey me, these are the ways that you will be cursed, right? And so Deuteronomy 28 is very, very, very <laughs> important for understanding a lot of things, but for understanding uh, your Bible. So remember the hub and the wheel illustration, right? Um, the old If the Old Testament is like a wheel, Deuteronomy is like the hub. And you're going to see uh, throughout the rest of the Old Testament storyline how Deuteronomy 28 is reused. So what happens? First 14 verses, God says, hey, if you obey me, these are the ways you'll be blessed. The last 54 verses are spoken of as curses. Now, what many have said is um, these laws in Deuteronomy, or these blessings and curses, excuse me, in Deuteronomy 28 are basically a expansion of this covenant code that was given in Exodus uh, 21 to 23. Now, in Exodus 21 to 23, what is that? It's called the covenant code. It's these laws that God is going to give, and he'll give punishments to his people for what happens if they disobey. Here, you see, if you notice, just by sheer demographics, just looking at the chapter, the curses are disproportionate, are way more than the blessings. Why? Because it's been 40 years, right? And Moses knows the proclivity of his people. He knows that they have this tendency to idolatry, right? This tendency to disobedience. So what is he going to say? He's going to say, yo, these are the curses, chief. I'm warning you. I am being clear. If you disobey me or if you disobey the Lord, this is what's going to take place. Now, what's crazy is this. Everywhere else in the Bible, blessing and curse are coupled with each other. They're right next to each other. Every time in the Bible, you go to Genesis 1 through 3, right? Genesis 1, God blessed Adam and Eve, or Adam, and he made him in his image, right? You go to Genesis 3, curses come, right? Because of their disobedience, right? Blessing and curse always go together. You go to Genesis 9, you have Noah in the curse of the flood, and then you have the blessing after the flood when he makes a new creation. You go to Genesis 12, where he's like, yo, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you, right? Blessing and curse are always in the Bible. You go to Galatians 3, right? Same thing. Christ was cursed so that we could be blessed. So blessing and curse are always together in the Bible. The next thing I want to show in 28, and I know it's a long chapter, so I'm just trying to give you like this overview. In uh, Deuteronomy 28, um, you'll see this, that the curses, um, at least in, in large part, are a reversal of the blessings, right? That's very important to understand. The curses here are a reversal of the blessings. Now, it's like that in the Bible as well, right? You go back to Adam. Adam was blessed by being created <laughs> and he is um 
he is cursed by dying, right? And so you see the same kind of reversal here in Deuteronomy 28, where God is going to promise all of these blessings. And the curse is actually the undoing of the blessings, right? It's the undoing of the blessings. How else do I know that? Listen, if you read the chapter carefully, he's going to describe the curses in Egypt like language, right? So he'll talk about the boils and the plagues of Egypt coming on the people of God. And what's funny, at the very end, he'll talk about going back to Egypt. And I know this is, is so much, but what he's doing here is this. He's trying to show this reversal. So remember, um, one, that the people of God were so rebellious up to this point that they constantly was like, yo, why do we even come out? We want to go back, right? Remember Exodus 16, Exodus 32, Numbers 11, Numbers 14. Now, what the Lord is saying here or what is being shown here is a climax of that theme of going back to Egypt, right? Because it was present in seed form and it's kind of starting to sprout here. Now, what's crazy is he'll say, yo, if you disobey, you'll go back to Egypt. Reversal of the blessing, right? The greatest blessing was actually coming out of Egypt. You see what I'm saying? So the curse here will be a reversal of this. Now, what's interesting too, another part, I'm going to get back to that Egypt thing. Another thing that's interesting, when you look at the verb forms, especially in uh, um, the original language, when you look at the verb forms in 64 to 68, you have these verbs that are used in the book of Deuteronomy. Hear this that were spoken of about the Canaanites. So when the Lord was saying, hey, the dispossession of the Canaanites, you know, the destruction of the Canaanites and Canaan to take the land, those same verbs were used against Israel. So he's saying what will happen to them is what will happen to you if you disobey, right? So so, so we even see there the justice and the impartiality of God that it's not just about ethnicity with him. It is not just about um, nationality, but it is about sin and, and, and holiness and righteousness and faithfulness to his covenant, right? So God is like, no, 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 Israel, like, don't, don't, don't front, bro. Like y'all can get it too, right? Like this really for y'all too, if y'all really, if y'all really own that, right? And so the Lord is so impartial in that. Now, going back to Egypt, one of the things you're going to see Again, as you see um, in, the, in the historical books, Joshua to two kings, but ultimately these these curses will come to a kind of uh, crescendo in the Babylonian exile and Assyrian exile. What is that? So um, in 722 B.C. and in uh, 605, 597 and 586 B.C., uh, you have Assyria come and conquer northern Israel. And then you have Babylon conquer, come and conquer southern Judah. Why? Because this was promised here. Right. So what happens is, again, a rerun. The Bible just keeps running the same themes over and over. What happens to Adam when he disobeys? He, get, he gets kicked out of the garden, this holy land that God had tried to confer his grace on this covenant head, Adam, of the whole human race. He gets kicked out of the garden of Eden. What happens to Israel? They get kicked out of the holy land. Right. So you see God's representative. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19, 6 to the nations. They get kicked out of the land among the nations. Right. And so the curse comes in them being removed from the land. Now, going back to the Egypt thing in Jeremiah 42 to 44. And I did a lot of work on this. Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremiah 42 to 44. We see the actual reversal takes place. Jeremiah is prophesying in the last days of the southern kingdom of Judah. And what happens? They are disobeying. They are disobeying, disobeying Jeremiah. And God is even gracious there because he's like, yo, Jeremiah, just tell them Babylon's going to come. If they just chill and submit, I will bring them back. I will restore them. Right. And what do they do? They go to Egypt. Literally go read Jeremiah 42 to 44 and you'll see it now. Crazy thing. So the curses are fulfilled. 
right? The, the curses are fulfilled in ancient Israel, right? In Daniel chapter 9, he will say this, right? Later, even later after this, in the Persian period, um, or excuse me, he's, he's in Babylon. Daniel's in Babylon. He'll say, um, all Israel, 9-11, Daniel 9-11, all Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. He's praying to God. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Now, crazy. Um, uh, uh, there is this black identity group in the African-American community um, called the Hebrew Israelites, and they use this text, right? They use this text terribly to speak to um, this idea that they believe, they've been deceived to believe that this text was fulfilled in the transatlantic slave trade. And I've done a lot of work to show that, no, 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 this this has been fulfilled in, in biblical history, right? In, in redemptive history uh, in the Old Testament period. Now, what's, what's, what's amazing is, is this, that um, even when Israel came back into the land, um, it's been argued that they didn't even see themselves as fully restored because later in the book of Deuteronomy, he'll say, yo, I'm going to send you out. But guess what? I can restore you if y'all repent and turn to me. So what Paul, what Paul is going to do, and many people have done work on this, what Paul is going to do is say, yo, hey, no, no, no. Like that curse, that ultimate curse, you know how it was ultimately fulfilled in the person of work of Jesus, right? He'll say this in Galatians 3.13. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, curses everyone who's hung on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21. Then he'll say this, 14. Remember, blessing and curse are always coupled together in the Bible. The purpose, the purpose was that the blessing, hear this, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Listen, God is so holy and good that he requires faithfulness sin could not be in it's not that god cannot be in the presence of sin we often say that but sin can't be in the presence of god and so that's why he had to exile his people right and that's why ultimately he had to punish the son of god so that we could be made holy so that we could receive the holy spirit so that we could come into his presence in fellowship with him forever and the scriptures are pointing to the christ right christ um is the center of scripture and he's also the climax of scripture and so what i want to say today is um do not call curse what god has called blessed that's what these hebrew israelite brothers and many others have tried to say and what i'm trying to tell you is no no no, no. god has blessed you through the redemptive work the, the death the death burial and resurrection of the lord jesus christ do not call curse what god has called blessed and we see how this text comes to its fulfillment father we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness. We thank you for so much you've revealed in your word. We pray that we will plummet steps. Lord, we pray that we will be careful readers of scripture. We pray that we will remember Christ who fulfills these texts and that would lead us to worship him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.